I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Stratfor, a RAIN company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analyses. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Stratfor, a RAIN company. I'm Emily Donahue. The recent Hafnium Microsoft Exchange hack has brought Chinese cyber activity back to the United States radar. On March 18th, Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan met with Chinese officials in Alaska. How does cyber espionage fit into China's overall cyber strategy? Here with guidance is Matthew Bay, Stratfor Senior Global Analyst at RAIN. Thanks for being here, Matthew. Of course. How would you describe China's current strategy and willingness to carry out cyber attacks? Um, so right now, China's cyber strategy, it's really heavily focused on um, cyber espionage. And, and the way that China defines cyber espionage is a little bit different than what the United States might. Um, they, China views um, espionage in general, not just cyber espionage, as something that would encompass both intelligence gathering for um, intel purposes like, for example, um, the hacking of um, government emails to gain information about the U.S.'s viewpoint on something that China is doing, something like that, which is typically something the U.S. would also consider as a uh, acceptable form of practice by, by governments because the United States would carry out the same kinds of espionage um, through cyber ac- activity when it comes to information gathering on Chinese officials. Um, however, China also will include um, industrial espionage, so the the hacking of trade secrets, as another legitimate form of intelligence gathering, whereas the United States does not. And if we look at the, the, the past um, history of Chinese cyber activity, that is a huge chunk of it. It's one of the biggest points of contention um, that the United States has against China. Um, and as the United States uh, looks to crack down on China's ability to actually access um, say, U.S. technology through more, I guess, legitimate, if you want to call it that, um, forms of technology acquisition, for example, buying um, or licensing U.S. technology through um, M&As or, or just also buying U.S. Uh, exports, that's only going to force uh, China to, to continue to go down that path of using uh, industrial espionage um, as through cyber activity as a key part of their national strategy, especially as, again, um, the United States puts into place more export controls on companies like Huawei, SMIC, etc. China isn't necessarily as engaged in as many, I guess, what I would call destructive or having the intent to do destructive attacks. They haven't done as much around, say, hacking into uh, critical infrastructure networks with the intent to carry out destructive attacks. That's something that is, is, is possible, I guess, down the road. But it's something that China would be fearful about the, the impact or the blowback if the United States, for example, um, carried out a cyber attack against the Chinese power networks in response, something like that. Um, China is also not as active in, um, in information uh, warfare in the same way that Russia is around trying to really spin up the, the narrative inside the United States or in the West. Um, when it comes to uh, fomenting dissent or internal discohesion in the U.S. This is, again, um, in part because of China's concern about potential similar operations being launched against it. Um, And that's also something that China might, down the road, start to look at ways that it could change and shift and modify that behavior. With recent rumors about China perhaps being linked to an incident in Mumbai, how does China view its cyber strategy against regional countries? 
Right. And I think this is the area where China might be on, say, the next two years, be willing to change or shift to what it's willing to accept and the risk that it could incur um, in carrying out more of those aggressive style attacks. Um, in the incident that you're referring to, um, China had been linked to probing into critical infrastructure in, in India. And at the same time, there was a, a power failure in Mumbai, which uh, Indian officials had suggested that may have been linked to the cyber attacks. Um, that China had been carrying out on the infrastructure, whether or not the intent by China was to actually take down the Mumbai um, incident or if it were, the two incidents are related at all is not clear. But as the United States is much more aggressive against China regionally by doing things like supporting the Quad, which is the bloc that it would include India and Japan and Australia, it is possible that China decides that it's more willing to carry out either information campaigns or at least probing into critical infrastructure networks or sensitive economic targets, maybe not necessarily with the intent to destroy, but also more, but more as a, a signaling of, I can do this, you know, you need to modify your behavior as a coercive tactic, essentially, against these countries. Um, a more plausible area where we might see that activity become even more robust, like maybe the first place we would see some of it, might actually be against Taiwan, especially if Taiwan goes a little bit more nationalistic in the future. When you talk about say, information campaigns outside of the region or um, attacking U.S. or Western uh, critical infrastructure or economic targets that are significant outside of the region. I mean, I think China will, of course, do that as a signaling, but that's less likely for China to actively engage in trying to destruct or destroy anything um, unless we're talking about a, a significant military escalation between, say, the United States and China. Is there any potential for China backing down in its cyber activity? So it's always something we have to keep on our radar as a possibility um, for the U.S. and China to return to a, a more of an engagement policy on a number of issues, cyber being one of them. Of course, the national politics here in the United States isn't really conducive to that, so we would probably need to see significant de-escalation and U.S.-China tension to do that. But the framework that we saw in, in 2016 with the U.S.-China cyber agreement where China um, had been willing to um, curtail or restrain and did so for a few months, um, the industrial espionage aspect of its cyber campaign. Um, we could see that be something that's on the table down the road between the U.S. and China. Again, I want to emphasize the only way that we would see that is with a broader de-escalation between the U.S. and China. Um, the United States, for example, um, would probably need to slow down the intensity that it has against uh, and putting restrictions on China's access to, to Western technology through other mechanisms. But it is something that if we look at ways that the U.S., that the United States and China could cooperate, cyber is one area where um, the establishment of norms, the recognition of what is right and what is wrong in the cyber realm um, is an area where the U.S. and China have talked in the recent past, and we're only talking about five years ago, um, and is one that down the road, if we're talking about a less uh, antagonistic environment, is possible. Matthew Bay is Stratfor's Senior Global Analyst at Rain. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. If you want regular intelligence updates on global geopolitics, including cyber espionage and U.S.-China competition, sign up for the Stratfor Worldview newsletter from Rain. It's full of geopolitical updates from our team of expert analysts. Sign up at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.